Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Is there anybody? Why don't you just wave your hand at me this morning? God has been there for me. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I invite your attention to the Word of the Lord, to Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. And I want to begin reading there with verse 1, and I'll read down through verse 10. Proverbs chapter number 3 and verse 1 down through verse 10. Again, thank you for the gift, and uh, I appreciate each and every one of you, and thank you to this church for being such a wonderful, wonderful congregation of people. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and morrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shalt thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. This is a power-packed passage of Scripture, and truly, there's a lot, there's a lot of wonderful principles that we could refer to and preach about here this morning. But I want to use as a subject title today a formula that never fails. A formula that never fails. We want the Lord to help us. We need His blessing upon the remainder of this service. How many will join me in praying that God would bless this word to all of our hearts and help us today and challenge us. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We look to you again. We're praying, Lord, that you would move and that your work would be done. I'm praying, God, that you would touch lives and hearts in this place, stir souls in this house. God, I pray you'd move upon every individual that is here. I pray, God, for every guest that is in this place that you would draw them, compel them to an altar where they could find you and receive from you. I pray you'd give direction. You would challenge us as saints of God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands and praise to the Lord. Isn't he so good? More than that, isn't he worthy? Hallelujah. I said, isn't he worthy today? Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. I want to give you just a little bit of background concerning the book of Proverbs. Uh, 
the book of Proverbs is classified as one of the books of poetry in the Scripture. There is the book of Job, there's the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then the Songs of Solomon. And three of those books are written by Solomon. And uh, we know that the book of Proverbs is one of them. It's considered the book of wisdom. The book of Ecclesiastes, which he also wrote, is considered the book of folly. And isn't that a contrast that one man wrote two of these books, one considered the book of folly and one considered the book of wisdom. And then, of course, he wrote the book of the Songs of Solomon, which bears his name, and that is called the book of love because it is a love story. And there's many things that can be depicted from that all the way down to the New Testament and Christ's love for you and I. But in 1 Kings chapter number 4 and verse 32, it states that Solomon uh, makes this statement. He says, and he spake, or it speaks this of Solomon. It says, and he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were a thousand and five. So many theologians believe that we do not have all of these things recorded. We do not, we do not have all of these Proverbs are these psalms uh, for us to be able now to look back upon and to read and refer to. But I'm thankful for those that we have. I've heard a lot of people say that if a person just had the book of Proverbs, just this book of wisdom to live their life by, there's so much uh, to enrich our lives. There's so much that we can receive from the book of Proverbs that is a blessing to us and how to live a successful life. But the irony of all of this is, is that Solomon did not live much of what he wrote in the book of Proverbs. There is no doubt that he was blessed by God with extraordinary wisdom, yet he did not really embody it. We know that God had blessed him in many ways uh, to know certain things and be aware of certain things that uh, others did not receive and did not have knowledge of. And we believe that that was as a result of a prayer that he prayed in his youth that God would help him to lead his people. And uh, there's many things that could be said about the leadership of Solomon there's a lot of things that Solomon was able to accomplish. One of them, I guess the perennial work of his career as king was that he was able to build the temple, which was called Solomon's Temple. And it was exceeding magnificent, the Bible says. And it's still something that is referred to in people traveled, such as Queen of Sheba. And they said once they reached that place, and they were able to see what had been constructed by Solomon and his leadership that the half was never told them. Yet we do know that he epitomizes in Scripture what James wrote in chapter number 4 and verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, Solomon knew to do good. 
He had an understanding of what was good. He understood what it would take to please God. The Lord had shared things with him that he had shared with no other man. Yet, the Bible says in this verse, and doeth it not to him, it is a sin. It's not enough just to know to do good. It's not enough just to know how to lead a spiritually successful life. It's not enough just to have knowledge about God. But we have to embody that. We have to live that. We have to be an example of that to our families and most importantly uh, to the next generation that comes along. And we know that a message that is lived is much more effective than a message that is simply spoken. Much of the Proverbs is addressed to a young man, more specifically, my son. He says, my son, several times. And it's mentioned here in this passage that I read to you from this morning. And in chapter number 3, Solomon is giving the young man some advice. And he calls him my son. And he's giving him a formula for success. This is how you can live a successful and productive life. This is how you can be blessed. And he goes on and tells him the results of living by these rules, if you will. By taking this advice and living this advice, this is the things that you can expect, and this is the things that will come to you in life. And he gives him several admonishments here. And it's really just a formula for a successful and blessed life. When I returned to college at age 40, um, I was told that I had to go back and take some math classes again. Now, it had been over 20 years since I had been involved in, been enrolled in any math classes. And uh, so it was quite a challenge. And I can tell you that I, I uh, entered it with uh, much trepidation because it had been so long and I wasn't a mathematician to begin with. And so uh, in learning a little bit about math, I remember the first day of one of those classes in college algebra, some of you might have nightmares about that particular class. But I remember uh, the first day we were given about 10 questions on a sheet of paper. And all of us were asked in the class to do our best to answer all of those successfully. And uh, then we were called upon different ones. And I don't know what it is about me that stands out in a group like that, but I was called upon almost first, I think, to go up and uh, to write the problem out on the board, then how I worked it out, and then the answer, of course. And uh, one by one, he began to pick those ten problems apart and how we had failed in answering them. And he, he, he said... I don't know what you guys have been studying, uh, but it certainly hasn't been math. And uh, that really bolstered our confidence, you know. And that's how we started. That was the first day of class. But he taught us over time that really math is a set of rules. And if you follow the formula and match the proper formula with the proper problem, then you will always end up with the correct answer.
And if you'll follow that, he said, you can't break the rules. You can't take any shortcuts. You can't do it your way. There's no way around it. But if you follow the rules step by step and you match the right formula to the right problem, there's linear equations, there's quadratic equations, there's polynomial equations, there's all kinds of different equations, but it doesn't matter how long, how big, and how complex the problem looks. If you match the correct formula with that problem, then you'll always be able to solve it. Well, that's not only right in math, but that's also right in life. And there's certain things that are given to us in the Word of God. And if we'll apply them to our life, it doesn't matter how challenging life becomes, how complex, and life is complex, it becomes. It doesn't matter what happens in our world. We can always know that the blessings of God will follow living our lives correctly according to the Word of God. There's no shortcuts. There's no way around it. Uh, There's no way to do it the way you want to and end up with the correct answer. But if you want your life to be blessed, you got to be obedient to the Word of God. you got to match the formula of the Word of God to your life and to your situations and to your problems. And uh, we understand that Solomon advocated his role as a father in many ways. And every father in this room, you have a role to play in your home and in your family. Now, we had Mother's Day a little over a month ago, and mothers certainly have their role. And we talked about that in the family. And that role is one of nurturing. That role is one of helping and and, uh, being there uh, as a support and an encouragement. Uh, we, we always know, even as we enter into adult life, we know that our mothers in a, in a situation that is wholesome and healthy, our mothers are going to be in our corner. Our mothers are going to be there perhaps when nobody else is. Our mothers are going to stand with us. And many of us in this room today are here because a mother's that prayed for us and carried a burden for us. Now, you're awful quiet this morning, but I believe there's some people that can identify with what I'm saying, that you're not here because you're able to pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. You're not here because you're good necessarily. You're here, first of all, because of the mercies of God and because perhaps there was a mother that was on her knees praying for you that God would strengthen you, bless you, nurture you, and give you the the direction for your life and, and help you to stay under the favor and the hand of God so that he can lead you to where you are today. And I'm thankful for praying mothers. I'm thankful for their role in the family. But we're living in a world and our, and our world is seeing the effects of it. This generation is seeing the horrible effects of fatherless homes and fathers that are abdicating their responsibility and their role in their children's life and leading their families. And let me just say this about our fathers. We know that we think in our in our Western culture, and it's true to a degree that our only 
role is just uh, provision. I, I don't minimize that role that that the father is to to work to provide and be the primary uh, provider for the home. I believe that's biblical. The Bible tells us that one that fails to do so is worse than an infidel. So you can't get outside of that. You can't you can't circumvent that. There's there's no excuses for that. But all of us have a responsibility to be a provider for our families. But beyond that, there's other roles. Of course, along with being a provider, we are to be a protector. And a protector is more than just the tough guy. The protector is more than just the one that has a concealed weapon on his side. The protector is more than just the one that is there uh, to be a wall to his family if a burglar or a marauder is to come into their home. But a protector is somebody that is spiritually perceptive as well and able to see things spiritually that would be a harm and a danger to their family. A man that that is uh, astute and, and a man that is perceptive spiritually and sensitive. We're living in a filthy world. We're living in a world that, that, that sin is abounding. We're living in a world that is trying to uh, redraw uh, the lines, if you will, and redefine things. But I'm going to tell you, this word is forever settled in heaven. And you have a role and a responsibility that is clearly defined in the word of God. And your responsibility is more than just to go punch a clock. And your responsibility is more than just to be a protector physically. It's even beyond that. You're to be a spiritual father to your family and lead them in the ways of truth and protect them from the spiritual danger that is out there in this world. Because there is a threat in this world. And it's you and your ability to perceive what's going on that is going to protect your family from that danger. You have a role to play. And uh, I think it's very important that we fulfill that role, that we step up to that role, that we accept the challenges that come along. You know what I found out about true men is that they all need a challenge. They all need a challenge. They all need something to be focused upon. Heard one man say it this way. He said, in a man's life, every man needs to to tackle something difficult. They need to to give themselves to accomplishing something challenging and difficult. Life isn't just a walk in the park. If you're a true man, you're not expecting it just to be something that is easy. You're not expecting life just uh, uh, to fall in place. But you know that if I'll be sensitive to God, He'll order my steps uh, and He'll direct my ways uh, and He'll help me to be able to do what I need to do to raise up a godly family, a godly home. And it should not be. And so much of the time we rely upon our good uh, sisters in the Lord and and mothers in the church to pray and carry the burden of the church and and uh, to even in some cases carry the worship 
of the church. And, and uh, many times they're the ones that know how to travail and know how to get a hold of God. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm certainly not minimizing that. In fact, I'm encouraging you to continue, but I think it's time for men to step up and we're going to lead in prayer. Also, we know how to be sensitive to God. Also, we know how to worship the Lord. Also, we know how to lead out amen, in our faith towards God. Also, we know how to take on the role of evangelizing our city and being a spark plug for revival in this community. I'm not just going to depend on a few. I want every man in this house to get a hold of what I'm saying today and be a blessing to your family, be a blessing to your homes, be a blessing to your church, be somebody that can be relied upon, a support system, a saint of God that is strong. I'm not just looking for an easier way. I'm not just looking, amen, for an easier path. But if there has to be a path forged where there's never been one before, I'll do it with prayer. I'll do it with faith. I'll do it with a confidence that God is able to help me because I want to see revival. I want to see sons and daughters raised up. I want to see the church go forward. I want to see the hand of God continue to bless and to move in our midst. How many that's your desire? How many that's the longing of your heart today? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And so he, he gives us this, this formula in these first few verses here. And uh, I want to go through them. And uh, I, I want to talk about this. Verses 5 and 6. He says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust in the Lord. Sometimes we need to take verses like this and not just skim over them and think we've got it, think that we've ascertained everything that is there in those few short words. It's appropriate sometimes to stop and rewind and read it over again and underscore it in our minds. Trust in the Lord. When you trust in the Lord, that means that you don't trust in a whole lot of other things. First of all, you learn as a godly man not to always just trust yourself and to trust your flesh. You certainly learn not to trust money in this world. Uh, uh, trust education. You, you can't just trust education. You can't, you can't trust just your associations and friendships. Solomon said, when you read, uh, reach this place in life, when there is nothing or nobody else to count on, there is someone that you can call on. Amen. I'm telling you, when you feel like you can't count on nobody else, there is someone that you can call on his name. You can lift up his name. You could pray to him and speak his name. And there's something about speaking the name of Jesus. There's something about a godly man full of faith when he calls on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that I have somebody when I can't count on nobody here in this world. And I'm thankful that I have faithful family members and friends and people that I can rely upon. But I'm going to tell you, there comes a point in life that all of that doesn't suffice. I'm thankful for it. But there's some needs and some situations that goes beyond that and their ability and their limited and how much support they can give me. But I'm thankful that I can call on him. I can pray 
to him. I can seek him. There's challenges that I'm confronted with that I come to an end of what I know and what I'm able to do. And I feel my limitations profoundly. But when I pray and I seek the face of God, I know I can trust in him. He's never failed me. He's got a record. Amen. Of always being there and always coming through and always answering. It may not be the way I want him to, but he's always faithful to answer me when I cry out to him, when I pray to him. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord today. Psalms 50 and 15 says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. I want you to notice the steps in that verse of Scripture. It says, first of all, when you're challenged, when you have trouble in your life, call on him. Call on him. And then he said, I'll do my part. I cannot do my part until you do yours. I can't step in until you step up and call on me. I can't work until you're willing to voice your need for me. You know what activates the power of God? It's a man's voice that unashamedly calls upon God, that reaches out to God and realizes this trouble, this problem, this difficulty, this challenge is bigger than me. It's more than I know what to do with. And so I'm going to call on you. I'm going to seek out to you. I'm going to lift up my voice. And the Lord says, you know what? That's what I've been waiting on. I've been waiting on you to say, this is the end of me. This is all I can do. This is as far as I can go. And that's when I could step in. And that's when my power is activated. And that's when I can deliver you. And then, that's not all. He said, then you'll glorify me. In other words, you'll have the testimony that I am a healer. You'll have the testimony that I am able to give victory. You'll have the testimony that I'm able to bring you out triumphant. You'll have the testimony that I'm able to answer your prayer. But it starts with a man that is willing to call upon the Lord. Lamentations, Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3.55, I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. Out of the lowest pit. Now, this was not a man that was speaking something figuratively here or just speaking something that he imagined. This was a man that knew something about the pit. He knew what it was to be thrown into a pit by those he was trying to help. He knew what it was to be betrayed and thrown into a pit and be sinking in the mire of that pit. Oh, and it was there that he said, I called upon the name of the Lord. And let me just tell you, the Lord hears those that call upon him. Psalms 91 and 15 says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him. Oh, there's something about uh, crying out to God that portrays our trust in God. 
That's really what prayer is. It's, it's trust in God. People that don't pray are, are folks uh, that are trusting in themselves. People that don't pray are people that don't have really faith and confidence that God is able to do the work that he says in his word that he's able to do. I was just mentioning to our evangelist last week, I said the longer I pastor, and the longer that I'm involved in the work of God. Now, over 30 years of full-time ministry and 20 years of pastoring this local assembly, I have come to the realization that nothing happens outside of prayer. Nothing of real consequence happens outside of us seeking God and find the direction of God. Everything that we need, this is the, the source. This is the lifeline, if you will. This is how we receive, and this is the, the method that God has chosen, and the way that God wants His work to be done is for His children. Just like a child relies upon their father, just like a child goes to their father with request. He said, that's exactly how I want my people. How many times has he used that motif in the scripture to betray to you and I how that he wants us to approach him? He said, we come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. Have you ever known a child to timidly approach you? Not when there's a healthy relationship, not, not when it's the way that it ought to be. Are they ever intimidated to approach their father and to at least ask? Oh, they know. They know and they understand that my father loves me. I've got a good relationship with my father. I don't have to be intimidated. I don't have to feel condemned. I don't have to come sheepishly, but I can make my way. It doesn't matter how busy he is. It doesn't matter how involved he is with somebody else. He's always got time for me. I'm telling somebody here today, you can come with confidence and assurity to your heavenly father and you can find the help, the sufficiency, the grace that you need in the time of trouble. Praise God. Come on, clap your hands to him. Let's give him praise together right now. Then he goes on in the second, second part of this formula. And notice how it builds one upon another. You can't leave any component out. You can't leave any part or portion of this out. He said, lean not unto thine own understanding. Leaning is propensity. Leaning is a tendency towards. Just like a tree. It don't, it don't take rocket science. You don't have to have experience in, in cutting trees down. To know that if a tree's leaning a certain direction, likely that is where it's going to fall. And so you understand that when when something's leaning in a direction that has a it has a tendency towards that direction. And it's our propensity, it's our propensity towards certain things. We all have a propensity because of our sensory perception and the way we were raised and our experiences and maybe even our environment, the way we were nurtured or maybe the lack of nurture. We have a 
propensity towards certain things. Uh, we, we have a tendency towards certain things. Maybe it even runs there in our family and, and uh, the way that we were, were raised up and the way we were reared by our parents. Uh, we have a propensity, and you can fill in the blanks there, but uh, it's what we were exposed to in life. And that's the way that we lean, and that's because of our past experience. And what this is actually saying is you have to, you have to be spiritual enough not to just go by your sensory perception of things and just rely upon your past experiences. If this is the way it's happened before, I suppose that's the way it'll happen again. Or my experience tells me this. Well, that may be the case if God's not in the equation. That may be the case if just left up to man. But when you put God in this thing, I said when you put God in this equation, you understand that things can turn in a different way. Things can can lead to a different outcome. It doesn't have to be like it's always been. It may have been this way for generations, but it don't have to continue to be this way for generations. Oh, through my family, there may have been alcoholics and, and drug addicts and, and addiction problems. And through my family, there may have been a propensity towards uh, immorality or whatever the case may be. But it could stop with you, sir. It could stop with your prayer and your trust and your reliance and learning how to lead upon God and not your own understanding. I'm not just going to lean on what I've always known. I'm not just going to go back to the default position of what I've always been. Somewhere along the way, that's what repentance is all about. That's what coming to an altar and giving it to God is all about. It's saying, God, I can't depend on me anymore. i got to depend upon you. I can't lean upon my understanding because my understanding is what led to this trouble. My understanding is what got me in this mess. I need you in my life. Praise God. If it's just my understanding and what I want out of it and what I think and how I feel about it. Oh, yeah. We, we have to get beyond that. And also in this text, it's, it's talking about leaning. And sometimes leaning upon something that we're unfamiliar with is awkward for us. It's awkward for us because we've leaned on certain things. Maybe it's even been excuses. Maybe it's even been what we're most comfortable with and the lifestyle that we're most comfortable with. But God's calling us up and challenges, challenging us to do more. And so we can no longer settle for what we've always been and what we've always done. And we have to learn how to rely upon God because any change like this reminds us of the fact that I can't keep going back and leaning on what I've always leaned on before. And it makes us feel weak. It makes us feel vulnerable. But I point out to you, and I think it was our evangelist last week that brought this into a message he was preaching, and it dawned on me what I was going to be saying here today. In Hebrews 11, when Jacob is referred to, out of all the great moments of faith that could have been referred to in Jacob's life, and he had many. We could talk about a heel grabber. We could talk about a man that wrestled with God. We could talk about all of his faith to believe God for the blessing and not accept no for an answer. 
we, we can, we can talk about him hanging on, uh, to his faith through some insurmountable odds. Uh, we can talk about him seeing, uh, the, uh, ladder stretched into the heavens and angels ascending and descending upon it. We can talk about all those great moments of faith. But when God said in his word, I want this little snapshot of Jacob to be placed in there in the hall of faith. And all of these great things are being mentioned of all of these wonderful people. What did it say about Jacob? It said that he leaned on the top of his staff and he worshiped the Lord. What it did was, as it said, his greatest moment of faith is when in his weakness, he was still worshiping. In his weakness, he was still trusting me. He learned how to rely upon me and not his flesh. As long as he relied upon his flesh, he was Jacob. He was a man filled with all kinds of inconsistency. He was a man that was filled with all kinds of blunders. Oh, but when he learned how to rely upon me, when he learned how to lean upon me, I made him Israel, a prince having power with God. I blessed his life and he became a patriarch for the people of God. I'm telling somebody today, it's when you learn how to lean upon God that blessings come. It's when you learn how to trust in God that the goodness of the Lord begins to flow in your life. Lean not upon your own understanding. Yeah. And in Middle East culture, we know and even in the word of God, we find this when the prophet came to prophesy of how that the famine was going to end. And in one short period of time, less than 24 hours, there was going to be blessings and plenty of food to eat. And the Bible says the man upon whom the king leaned doubted it. In other words, in a king's kingdom, there were certain advisors that were not to be questioned, that he totally trusted that he leaned upon. He didn't trust himself in every judgment. He didn't trust himself in every situation. There was some things that would come to him that he said, I can't just trust myself to make an arbitrary judgment where this is concerned. I have got to trust in someone else. And in the multitude of wisdom, the Bible said there's wisdom and even these old kings of the, of the Old Testament, they realized the importance of this. And they leaned upon certain individuals. And that's what is being referred to here in this text is leaning, leaning. Amen. You can't trust yourself. I'm going to tell you there's a situations that you experience where you're emotional. You can't trust yourself. There's, there's situations that you enter into. And if you're not careful, there, there'll be certain things that will get away from you and you'll make a mistake. When you're at an extreme high or an extreme low, that's the worst possible time for you to make a drastic decision. But you better make up your mind. I'm going to lean. I'm going to lean upon God. I'm going to trust in God. I'm not going to lean upon my own understanding. When troubles come, I'm not just going to blow up and allow the devil to blow me out. Amen. But I'm going to trust God for his word is true. I'm going to trust God and the formula that is given to me in the word of God. And I'll come out victorious. There may be some downsets and there may be some curves in the road. And there may be some bends that I can't see around. But if I'll be faithful to God, I'll always emerge victorious. Oh, somebody help me worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. People find this passage challenging. People find 
certain portions of this passage extremely challenging. Can I tell you that people that find this passage challenging are people that lack the ability to question their own judgment. Wisdom is questioning your own judgment. Do I have all the facts? Can my opinion or could my opinion be biased in this situation? Could I be the one who's wrong in this? Oh, it's difficult for us to admit sometimes that we're wrong. Or am I excusing myself? Am I making an excuse when I should really step up and realize it's me? It's me that needs to change. And there's some things in my life that I need to accept. People will find this passage most difficult are people that have no pause button. What are you trying to say? I'm going to tell you there is a short distance between emotion and action. Sometimes way too short a distance between emotion and action. And people who act more from emotion are people that end up getting themselves in trouble. Matter of fact, the prison is filled with these kind of folks. That if they could go back in time and say, if I could just take the emotion out of that moment, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be experiencing this. I wouldn't be paying this debt to society. If, if I could have controlled my emotion. I, I suppose the greatest biblical example of this is Cain in the Scripture. Cain had potential because the Bible said he went out and he built a city. But in a moment of emotion, when he saw the blessings of God upon his brother that he desired but was unwilling to pay the proper price for, he rose up and slew his brother. And then immediately realized his wrong and tried to hide it. And then tried to deny it even happened. And tried to excuse himself and said, am I my brother's keeper? You know what would have been good? Is if Cain would have had a pause button somewhere. He said, you know, before I act on this emotion, I better push the pause button. Some of the troubles that some folks have in their life is because they push sin when they should have pushed pause. They should have held back and said, I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to make a clear and a good decision. I'm not going to get emotional just about this. And I, I, I'm not saying that God doesn't use emotions. I'm thankful that there's times... I'm going to tell you, when it's time to worship God, that's not time to pause. That's not what I'm talking about. When it comes time to respond in faith, that's not a time to pause. When the Word of God is being preached, you can't sit back and say, well, I'm judging this matter, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to see how things, before I step out, before I'm a mature saint. No, you, you need to be obedient to the Word of God. Amen. There's some things that are clear cut, but I'm just telling you, when your emotions are involved in family matters, when your, when your emotions is involved in, in matters on your job, when your emotions is involved when it comes to other people you better have a pause button in your life 
Come on, is this too blunt on a Sunday morning, Father's Day? Amen. I, I'm just, I'm just preaching what I feel in my heart and what I feel that the Lord has challenged me with. Amen. We, we got to learn how not just to be respondent to every little thing that comes along, but we need to be somebody that learns how. Amen. To say, God, I want to be patient and waiting on you. I want to understand your will. I want you to help me. I don't want to lean upon my own understanding. There's a lot of difference between instinct and discernment. Instinct is that carnal part of you. Instinct is that part of you that reacts and responds because of the way that you were nurtured and the way that you were raised and the environment that you were exposed to. And that's that's your instinct. That's how you developed over time. But I'm going to tell you, God is able to replace some of those instincts that are not pleasing to Him with spiritual discernment. And if we'll get under the influence of the Holy Ghost, we'll know how to not just react, but to respond appropriately and properly to the challenges that come to us in life. We'll learn how to respond to conflict. We'll learn how to respond appropriately to the dealings and the things that come up. Hey, we're living in a world that is a a bawling cauldron and there's all kinds of emotions that are unleashed. I want to tell you the answer is not joining in with that kind of emotion and responding with that kind of emotion. But the answer is is being a godly, righteous person that understands the word of God and knows how to touch God through prayer and letting God direct our path. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord and let's give him praise. And he said, this is the final one, in all thy ways acknowledge him. In all thy ways acknowledge him. You know, that sounds so easy. All thy ways. Not just some. You know, there's all of us have little cordoned off, restricted areas of our life that we say not even God can touch this. Come on now, be honest with me. We come to the front, we say, I surrender all. Really? Really? Amen. Surrendering all and acknowledging him in all of my ways is a bigger deal than just quoting this verse. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 21, 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. What, what, why is it that he Because the issues of life all come from the heart. The issues of life all come from this the central part of us. Amen. Where where everything is housed. That God deals with, and only God really has the ability to touch and to change and to transform. It's only God that can transform a person's heart. I'm going to tell you, I'm not opposed to, I'm thankful for every bit of help and encouragement. You can read all the books and you can do all, you can follow all the advice you want to, but at the end of the day, you better get God in your life if you want a real change. 
If you want to be different, you, you can't modify yourself through, through trying all the little tweaks and the recommendation of pseudo-psychology. You've got to understand that it's God that created this heart and it's only Him that can transform this heart. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for, for all of the helps that we have, but I'm going to tell you that's exactly what they are. Their helps and their aids and their supports too. The main thing is, is an altar is where things are really, are really changed. Amen. Really adjusted in our life so that we can get in alignment with God and His will and His purpose for us in all thy ways. We are good at acknowledging God when we're in trouble. We're good at acknowledging God when things are not working out. When there's a downset or, or, or things are not going as planned or, or, or something happens that we did not expect, we're good at acknowledging God. But I wonder, as blessed people today, as blessed individuals, can we still acknowledge Him in all of our ways that I ended up getting this far because of God's goodness? It wasn't because I was a good businessman. It wasn't because I had it all together. It wasn't because of some uh, attainment and education. It wasn't because of any of these things. It's because of God and His blessing. Come on, let's give honor where honor is due and let's keep our head on straight and realize that if He's going to continue to bless me, I gotta keep walking and acknowledging Him. And on every day when I wake up in the morning, I gotta acknowledge you. Every day when I wake up in the morning, I gotta say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. And I will rejoice in it. Amen. I'm gonna walk with you today. I affirm again and have faith in you all over that you're gonna help me this day. Oh, just as He said in that example prayer, give us this day our daily bread. God, you know what portion I need today. God, you know exactly what I'm going to need to withstand all the temptation and the barrage of the enemy that comes against me. You know what it's going to take for me to be successful in this day. And I want to acknowledge you in all of my ways. All of my ways. Somebody say all. All thy ways acknowledge him. Somebody made the statement. If he's not Lord over all, then he's not Lord at all. And this is where the real struggle is, is relinquishing. Yeah. I've told this before, but when I was just about nine, eight, nine, ten, my father would put me on his lap. I couldn't really reach the pedals put him on his lap, and he'd let me drive with the steering wheel. Man, I'd feel so big. Got that big steering wheel going down the road. Of course, he's controlling the brakes and acceleration and speed. He's got everything working. I'm just, I'm just the one that's turning the wheel here, and I feel so big, so mature. I feel like a grown-up. And I noticed... First few times there, maybe I was even younger when he started this process, but I noticed he put his hand down here on the bottom of the wheel. And the older I got, the more I kind of resented that. I said, Daddy, I bat his hand away. Let, let me drive. I got this. 
Take your hand off the wheel. Let me have it. He'd take it off. Boy. All of a sudden, he'd start veering towards the ditch. I said, Daddy, get your hand back on the wheel. Get back in control of this thing. I'm going to tell you, all of us like it when things are going good and we're in the center of the road and things are blessed and, and, and the goodness of God is flowing and everything is perfect and there is no problems. And, and but, but suddenly we start veering off and, and things start going awry and we start losing control. And all of a sudden we're like, Daddy, where you at? Get your hand back on the wheel. Come on. We need to be comfortable with allowing him. Amen. Allowing him every day, not just some of the time. He's not a part-time God. He's an all-the-time God saying, God, I want you to help me, and I acknowledge that I need you every day, every moment, every moment of my life. I need you. Would you stand with me right now? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Abandoning our own will is acknowledging him in all, all of our ways. Completely surrendering to him. And then I want you to notice the blessings that starts coming. He can hardly get concluded with verse 6. And he said, and he shall direct thy paths. If you'll just acknowledge him. If you'll just yield to him. That's really what that is, is acknowledging, is yielding to. And saying, God, you're supreme in this situation. You're the one that knows better than I do in this situation. Here you are. You take control. I'm relinquishing the will. I'm giving it to you. And then, of course, verse 7, he reminds us not to be too puffed up and prideful in ourselves, but retain a fear of the Lord and to depart from evil, to live a righteous life. And he says, It shall be held to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. This is talking about the strength and the nurture of a man. And then he says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Of course, trust and giving back to God and understanding that it all belongs to him in the first place. I'm just a steward over it. That's why it's not hard for me to give. That's not hard for me to pay my tithe and give my offering because I understand he's my source in the first place. People that struggle with that are people that really don't trust God and don't have faith, true faith in God. But I want you to notice in verse 10 where the blessing starts. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. You'll never lack if you can get this formula down. You'll never be in want if you can have this formula working for you. And thy presses shall burst forth, burst out. With new wine. Oh, of course to us. And we see the Spirit's implication here. We understand that that means more than just a vineyard. And that he's talking about more as it applies to you and I than just, just a man that is a wise vine dresser. But he's talking about spiritual blessings coming to you and I as a result of us implementing this formula, if you will. I'm going to tell you, you can't end up with the right answer trying to apply your own formula. 
You can't get to the right conclusion trying to implement your own way. But you have to acknowledge Him in all your ways. Say, God, here my life is and I acknowledge You. I need Your direction. This is a father given a formula that never fails to his son. I'm going to tell you this is something that's sure and steadfast. What did the Bible says? It says the flower fadeth, the grass withereth. But his word is going to stand. This is a sure foundation you can build your life on. It's the word of God. It's tried, it's tested, it's proven. And I wonder if there's somebody you struggle issues and you got deals that you're facing and that you're going through. You got situations that you don't know how to face and you don't know if you can face them any longer. Because something about problems that are not remedied. Something about fighting and spiritual struggle, if it's not resolved in a person's life, it wears on them to the point that there is a breaking point. I'm going to tell you, it may seem simple, but it's true. It starts with you stopping to trust yourself and starting to trust God. It starts with you learning how to lean on Him. I don't think it's any coincidence that the one that is called the beloved, the one that has a very imminent a very close a very near relationship with God and out of the four gospels probably reveals more about who he really is than any other is John the beloved that learned how early on to lean on him get close to him He didn't understand that there was going to be challenges and persecution and troubles in their future. But how was he able to make it to the point that he could reveal such revelations to you and I and see God in such miraculous ways and, and be revealed to him such glorious secrets, if you will? It started with a man that learned how to lean on. If you'll learn how to lean on Him, not on your own understanding. If you'll learn how to rely upon Him instead of your own strength, life will be a whole lot easier. So on this Sunday morning, I'm inviting everybody, everyone, to this altar today. I wonder if there's anybody that wants to start the process right now, just learning how to lean learning how to trust, learning how to acknowledge. All of these are are sort of synonyms that, that, that unfold and just get a little bit more specific with each, each verse and each part and each portion of this formula, if you will, is learning how to rely. You got uncertainty in your life, learn how to lean on Him. Learn how, learn how to acknowledge Him. Learn how to really trust Him. challenges that you don't know if you're going to be able to face. Maybe it's your health. You've always had good health, but now it's failing. 
Learn how to trust God. Learn how to lean on Him, acknowledge Him in all your ways. Maybe you've never had the struggle that you're facing right now in your finances. Oh, just learn how to lean upon God, trust in God. Maybe you've never faced such issues and difficulties and problems as you're facing right now in your home, in your family, in your marriage. Telling you, you got to learn how to trust Him. You can't trust your instincts. You can't trust your flesh. You can't trust your abilities. You can't even trust your past experiences. You got to learn how to have faith and trust in God. Let's pray one with another. Let's pray and seek the face of God in this place. Church, would you help me look around, minister to one another, pray with one another? God is going to help some people today.